friends! Welcome to another episode of Formula for Friends. This week, we meet someone who has a love-hate relationship with change, enjoys a good challenge, and has worked for the big man himself, Mickey the Mouse. Without further ado, let's meet today's guest. Welcome to Formula for Friends, the podcast where we interview strangers and see if we can be friends. I'm your host, Signe, and today I have with me Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, so thank you so much for coming and joining me on my very fun podcast. I'm excited to chat with you today just about, I don't know, life, the world, all that fun stuff. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm yeah. excited to be here. Yes, thank you. So I have a couple, the way that this kind of works is I have a, like a list of questions so we can go back and forth and have a conversation um, or we can just have a conversation and completely ignore my list of questions. It's totally up to you. Um, or if you have a question that's not on the list, that's also, again, totally up to you. Um, I do have three questions that I'm going to ask you kind of like right off the bat and then from there it'll be like a free for all just so... We can get to know each other, if that sounds okay. Sounds great. Okay, perfect. So, my first three questions, and this is my only clump of three, I promise. From here on out, it'll be it'll be one at a time. But my okay. first three are um, your name, how old you are, and where are you from? Okay, my name is Lauren. I am 29, going to be 30 in August. Mm-hmm. And I am from, I was born and raised in Whittier, California, which is like a small town in Los Angeles County. Ooh, very cool. And how do you like Whittier? Is that like big city Los Angeles or where, where is it? Uh, no, it's definitely like, it's like in between. It's not like a small town where everybody knows everybody, but it's not like city. It's not like skyscraper city LA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like on the outskirts of Los Angeles County. So I like it because it's right in the middle. I'm 20, I mean, without traffic, I'm 20, 25 minutes from downtown LA where all the you know, stuff that's popping is going on. Um, and then on the opposite direction, 25 minutes away from like Disneyland and at the heart of Orange County, anything going on there. Um, but like still away from everything, like in the middle. So I'm not like Disneyland is not right next to me where that's all I see and get traffic, but I'm also not in the craziness of the city. So I think it's perfect. I love it here. Yeah. Do you like, cause it's really, is it, do you like the, like the hot weather heatness of it too? Or do you not, is it, you know, I don't know. <laughs> um, I think it's like good. I think just Southern California weather is just like we're just so spoiled because I'm like, oh, it's so hot and it's like 85. <laughs> <laughs> or it's so cold and it's like 79. Yeah. Like, so I think it's I think it's perfect weather. And then when it rains, it's beautiful, but nobody knows how to drive. Everybody's like, what is falling from yeah. the sky? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Wow. Do you think that you would move away somewhere colder ever? Um, I can see me myself moving away for like a short amount of time, like for maybe like a project, work project, or like just because. But I don't think I see myself moving away from Southern California for like long term yeah. or permanent at all. I just I just love California through and through. I know there's a lot of um, 
maybe some not so great things about California, but to me, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'd rather be poor and happy. Yeah, <laughs> and in the and very tan in the sunshine. Yes, sometimes, not all the time. There you but, go. Yeah. Yes, and then I wanted to chat um, too, and then we can jump into like I don't know, but I wanted to chat about how we met because I remember when I first met you, I was really. Um, I thought you didn't like me at all. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny. Well, because I was interviewing you. So yeah. That's funny that I, I give a vibe off that I don't like the candidates that yeah. I'm interviewing. Well, it was just really intimidating. So I met Lauren um, when I was interviewing for my professional internship at the Disney Institute. And there was like a panel of five, five people or so. And I remember, like, I thought I was jiving with everybody, and I was like, okay, this is nice. Like, everybody's really friendly, except for that one girl really just didn't seem to <laughs> smile at me ever. And I was like, I think that she just so really, funny. which now that I know you, I'm like, wait a second. Like, what the heck? Like, you're very nice and kind of not intimidating unless you, like, really are trying to be. But I was like, what the heck? Like, now you're the closest that I talk to still, that I know yeah. still from that whole entire internship. So I was like, what on earth? That's crazy. Yeah, and I think that's cra- I don't I don't remember consciously thinking I'm going to be intimidating because that's just not my style of I'm going to go in and be a certain way. I just I think it might be because the position that you were interviewing for was a position that um I, when I started off in that department I was that role, and so I knew what this out of everybody who was on that panel. Uh, I knew the best of what this position needed and what we, and you know and I didn't want. Um, other people, not just leadership, but other employees to be like, yeah, that sounds good, but they really don't even know what they're looking for. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to come in with probably the, I wouldn't say hardest questions, but the most uh, detailed, you couldn't sugarcoat your answer. It wasn't just like, so what are your strengths and weaknesses? You know, yeah. A little bit more of like more pertain to the role itself. Um, so that might have been it, but I don't know. Maybe I just was having a bad day. I don't remember coming off, but I remember liking you. I didn't have anything against you. Yeah, no, and I remember, like, because there were the questions for sure, but, and, like, you know, it, Lauren is not, like, you're you're not usually, like, no offense at all. You're not, like, an intimidating person just normally yeah. in life. Like, you have a yeah. very quirky kind of style and wear really exotic colors and, like, fun shoes. <laughs> and, like, you're not a scary person. No, I mean, you totally... Anything, I'm the one who's, like, I'm the type of person who I'm intimidated by other people. So yeah. I'm the intimidator. I'm the intimidating. No, which is why now I'm, like, what the heck? But I'm glad that, you know, it happened how it did because here we are. I mean, the ending was like an interesting ending, but really, it was a good time. And now here we are. Yeah, it's funny that you say interesting ending because that's not the way I would have described it. I think we have like ups and downs, you know. How would you describe it in one word? How would you describe Um, the ending of that journey? I would say, um, wow, that's a great question. Uh, personally, on a personal side, I would say it was a, uh, and can I cuss on here? I don't know. Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay, great. It's a fucking shit show. It's really <laughs> um, if I was professionally asked this question, I would say it was difficult. Ooh, <laughs> go. On all ends, it was, uh, you know, there's some things that I, I think the company could have done better with communication and the way that uh, leadership dealt with their employees during the pandemic um but there's other things that i understand where they're you know the pandemic was never been through one in our lifetime the company was like it's not like they're uh, trekking in new territory so it's not like they were they had anything that they can reference to on what to do before i mean that's how the whole world was um Mm -hmm. so it was an interesting time but i still think um 
a great company and specifically great leaders are defined through how they handle like a storm and, and a shit show. And I think it was very clear when we, we could see who were the great leaders in our department and who weren't. Mm-hmm. And that and so when me and you were impacted by going to furlough and then eventually let go, um, it just made it all that much harder of, you know, we didn't get to leave on our own terms or wrap up the way that we wanted to. We had more potential going on. Me, literally me and you and the, uh, our other coworker, uh, two days before everything shut down, were on the verge of, you know, that new project we were going to be implementing mm-hmm. that we were so excited about. So yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a part of, it's a part of, I think our careers that it was, it's a, it's a subject that's like has grief around it during that stage because, um, because of how it ended, like I said, not in our, and how the way that we wanted to was out of our control completely. There was nothing we can do, no matter how much we wanted to, we couldn't do anything about it. Um, but at the end, I think, I think it was the, it, it turned out to be the best for everybody. I think everybody found something or gravitated to their next steps in a way that they were like, I would have never done this if I was still working at Disney. Yeah. Like a, like a peer pressure to be your best self kind of situation. Yeah. 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 And my, I have two very favorite memories, I think, from that experience. And one of them, 1000%, is when I, we we moved my office next to your office. And I was like, there were the yellow and green walls. And I remember I was like, wow, I really just wish all the walls in my little box were green. And then you like were there really late at night to go to some event and found all of the green box squares for the walls out of like the whole floor and had replaced all of my little box squares. So the next day when I came in, my whole office was green and there was so much yes. yellow everywhere else. <laughs> it's funny. I remember doing that too. And, um, I didn't really ask. I'm not like a ask for permission kind of person. I, especially if I know it's like not going to hurt like anybody or the you know revenue anything like that you know yeah. I'm not gonna steal but I'm like are people really gonna care if their panel is like one panel and their cubicle is now yellow instead of green I was like they probably honestly <laughs> don't care or they might even not realize if they do realize it's gonna yeah. affect them at all probably not so I didn't ask for permission and so yeah we, <laughs> our you know our office was in that corner and so I was like I'm just gonna walk around the whole floor, which is not all of our department, I'm just going to other departments, nobody's here, and I remember, like, and, and, oh, and then to add to it, the panels are different sizes, so it's not like I could just go to the next door and just grab whatever, I had to find a green one of specifically, you know, the, the, the two long. feet, or the three feet, or the, you know, whatever, and so I'm going, I, like, would take your yellow one out, and then walk around until I find the right size, and hold it up to match it, and then I remember doing it, and I was almost done, and I heard, like, a noise, and, like, people have talked about that building being haunted, but I've, like, never experienced it. So I was like, is this oh my a God. ghost they talked about? Or is this somebody, like, coming back <laughs> to their office and they're going to, like, walk in on me, like, exchanging their walls? And how am I going to explain what I'm doing? Like, you, like, even if I tell the truth, like, oh, um, my newest employee really wants green walls and I've decided to steal yours. Like, I don't know what to say. So I think it just ended up being, like, a maintenance person coming through, but they didn't see me, but... Yeah, that was, that was a fun time. Sneaking I around. Still with, there. Oh it's my probably gosh. still like that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet so. I don't think anybody... I mean, they talked about, like, doing stuff to that building, but I don't... Probably nothing has actually happened yet. So I bet yeah. that that office is still just sitting completely green. Love that. Which is my favorite. Okay. Oh, my God. Yes. If anybody is listening who 
works at the, <laughs> what building was I called? I don't even know. The orange building at Disneyland behind the, the Bob. Hotel. The Go Bob. check in the vault if it's still green. That's next to the. That's where we are. Yes, that's where we are. It's next to the. We, we, Lauren, like, let me have a window in my office by making, like, so her wall was missing a square and my wall was missing a square. So we had, like, a window through my office. So I also had a window and then we could also talk to each other if we were ever. Yes. So, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, those are. I used to have that with Anne and that was, like, so helpful for me and her to, like, have that. window to talk through and also like so we can see each other's facial expressions while we're on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh what a time because you and yeah. you and Anne worked there for a longer like long longer than me for sure but like a long time together right mm-hmm. so I started at Disney in 2012 while I was in college selling like churros and popcorn and you know working at Village House in Fantasyland and doing a bunch of other stuff and then I came to Disney Institute in 2000. 16 yeah 16 mm. like the summer mm-hmm. and then um Anne I think came on shortly after that at that time I think Anne was working upstairs she was an intern for I don't I don't even remember what department she was one of the interns up, upstairs mm-hmm. um and then when her internship ended I think she um I think it was around that I think she lined it up at the same time she interviewed for the, the coordinator position and at, at the time I was still finishing school so I don't think I was even like interested in the coordinator position mm-hmm. um, and at the time I also thought I wanted to work at Dis- the Disney wedding so I was like no mm-hmm. my next step is weddings for sure mm-hmm. and so then she got the role as a coordinator and so at the time I was also like part-time so I only worked like when we had events um, and so I would see her and introduce to her but like, we weren't really like tight and then um then I finished school and like so now it's like 2017 like like January 2017 mm-hmm. and I'm like finished school so I'm like actively looking for a full-time job anywhere and everywhere even outside of Disney mm-hmm. and um then Lori the lead the coordinator leader who I don't know because I don't work with coordinators <laughs> in Florida uh reached out to me and she was like hey we're gonna be opening a new position and I was like oh, is Anne leaving and they're like no a new position I was like oh sorry I didn't hear that part <laughs> and they're like yeah I that you worked like there earlier I guess that much earlier that's cool Mm -hmm. yeah did a lot of different different things they were all fun yeah if there weren't if the pandemic had not happened do you think that you would have stayed in the Disney realm somewhere like tried to make your way to weddings or yeah a different yeah yeah 1000% I'm not sure if I would have gone to weddings because um through Anne I, I met some of she um during her internship she made friends with the wedding team. Mm-hmm. And so through Anne, I made friends with them and I was able to talk to them about it. And it sounded like, um, 
it sounded like the team was just not something, um, I don't know how to say this without <laughs> sounding me. It just wasn't a fit for me. Like, yeah. I think it was, you know, the way they ran it is the way they ran it. And I'm not trying to say that they, what they did was wrong. It was just not what I had thought it was going to be and not something that was going to be the best fit for me or my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had let go of that dream, which was very hard, but what was it going to do? Go up to Disney and be like, you guys need to change this entire department for me. You yeah. Know, like that's not going to happen. So I let that go and I, um, I was okay with it. And I just didn't really have an end, like a next step. I just had it in my head that like, you know, I need to stay at Disney. Every, you know, everybody loves Disney. It's prestigious. So basically just for pride and ego mm-hmm. and comfortability, I felt like, Oh, uh, Disney is stable. Like, you know, sometimes I might not be happy or feel like I'm not growing, but I'm always going to have a job. I'm always going to have options to move. That's what Disney prides themselves on. Of If you don't like something, there's a million other departments you can easily move around to. But mm-hmm. I think the a, a little bit of harsh reality that, that came with um, like a blessing in disguise of being let go is that, yeah, I was super comfortable and I don't think I would have ever left and not had the opportunities of growing and and growing in so many ways of um, being able to be in control of my salary, for one thing. Like, that was just not a thing. And Disney has, I don't think it's a secret. I don't think I need a, I'm not bashing on Disney. Or uh, maybe I am, but not in a way that's a secret of they don't pay their employees the way that they should. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, you know, my salary is is way more uh, uh, appropriate. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the opportunities to grow in um different areas of what I want to grow in and not just what's available mm-hmm. uh, is kind of like everything. It's kind of like I'm back in control of what I want to do and how much I want to take on and how much I want to make. Whereas in Disney, it's kind of, you kind of trade that in of you don't always get to have control of that. Um, and if you do, you have to make a lot of sacrifices and it's kind of like pick what you want. If you, if you're willing to do these sacrifices then 100% and there are some things where I wasn't willing to, sacrifice some things like for instance working on um you know if you're in the park you have to work weekends and nights and holidays and to me I have a big family that I'm very family oriented and I did that for a few years while I was working foods I did that for four years actually and I put in my time but they got to a point where I was like no I I really want to I'm getting closer and closer to moving in with Nick and we want to get married maybe have a family and I just don't see myself wanting to be a manager in the parks bad enough to sacrifice my time with my Mm -hmm. family so I had to pick and I did and it led me to Disney Institute and then you know same thing with that I had to make decisions I want to do and then eventually the decision was taken from me as I said for like the pandemic but Mm -hmm. but yeah to answer your a long way to answer is to say (laughs) no I think I would have been so comfortable and not growing and stagnant I would have stayed there forever and so in, in, in that point of view, I'm glad, I'm happy, or grateful, I guess, for the layoffs because I've grown a lot more now. Yeah, and I think, like, the, I don't know, like, the having to take a risk, like, a forced risk kind of thing, I feel like is yeah. really, because you've since Disney done a lot of really cool things that I feel like they're, I don't know, I always think it's interesting to see how things are related, but also not related. Like, you're two more, like, your, your jobs after Disney, I feel like, there's, there are similarities in the two, but they're also very different positions. Yeah. Which is really cool and I feel like really interesting and unique of like you get to try things and see if you like them versus like having to try it and then like almost pretend to like it because that was yes. a goal that you had for such a long time. Mm-hmm. 
So I feel like, yeah, like being pushed to do your best, like be your best self, try new things that are scary. Cause it is really scary to not be, I don't know, comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and Disney did, and also you got like free soft or unlimited soft pretzels access to the park. You had to pay for them, which was a bummer, <laughs> but I ate so many freaking soft pretzels. It's not even funny. Yes. Love pretzels. Yeah. But so, I, I sold pretzels in the park. A lot of people didn't like that cart because of the way you have to time, like, you know, like popcorn comes out every 30 seconds or whatever. I don't know. Popcorn, you know, there's so much, but <clears throat> pretzels, when you put them into the, the like oven, it mm-hmm. takes like, I don't know, like four minutes to cook. And so you don't, you know, people, people get like the cast members would get anxious working there because it's like the, somebody pays. They don't want to be waiting four minutes. So you have to make them ahead of time and kind of anticipate how long your line's going to be. But you can't make too much because then you're going to have a lot that are going to be sitting there and get, like, hard and, like, rotten or whatever. Not good. Oh, my god! I liked it. To me, it was like a math equation. I felt like I was playing Tetris <laughs> with pretzels. <laughs> it's like the boss level of food carts. Like, yes. I have to. See, I feel like people – and this is just – I never worked in the foods. I worked in parking and transportation, which, like, is a whole nother – because people just drive fast and then they – like, it was scary to be around giant cars. But it wasn't, like – a mental stress it was more like a physical stress and then sometimes I was like you know what if you want to hit me with your car today that's 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 okay like here we are but I feel uh, like pay for my tuition hit me please. honestly I was like you do it you skip that spot and ram into me this is fantastic because oh that was and also I, I'm not a bit I'm really claustrophobic so being in parking garages was always really awful and like you know how they vibrate sometimes if you're standing in there and cars are driving around oh my gosh I hated it a lot but yeah. It's okay because I did get all my steps in every single day and I got access to the soft pretzels and I yes. never realized because I always thought popcorn would be more challenging because you have to like pop it and then make it. And I guess when you do pop it, then it's like ready to go for a lot of people yeah. for a while. But yeah, I, I like, didn't like any, I didn't like those cards. I guess that was different than majority of the um, vendors. I didn't like popcorn because the um, butter would sometimes burn you, and I just, like, hated that. And then I didn't like the churro carts because the sugar, like, can get under your nail or just, like, on your skin, and that sensation, I don't like. I don't like – sometimes I don't like going to the beach because of the sand sensation. Mm. Like, I just don't like that. Maybe not sensation, like, the sensory, like, yeah. don't like it. So I was like, I'll take pretzels all day long. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ew. Is it under your nails that bugs you or just the feeling of sand or, like, um, popcorn? Good question. It might be just the feeling because, I, like, when we were making churros, we did have gloves on, so I guess it wouldn't get under my nails. Hmm. Wait, did we wear gloves? I feel like we wore gloves. I, I feel f- for like legal purposes, I should say <laughs> we wore gloves. Yes, <laughs> gloves forever. I was thinking the other day about like sanitary things because, like, gloves reminded me of how, like, some places. I remember early pandemic, it was like always hand sanitizer everywhere, and recently, I feel like when I've tried to get hand sanitizer places, they've been out. And I was like, is this, was there never normally hand sanitizer in stores? Is that just a pandemic thing? Or is that something that was there and we just never utilized because maybe the containers were always empty? Or I don't know. It was just a thought that I had earlier. Yeah. And I went, huh. And if they, if they sold it at the store, maybe it was like in that corner in the back of the shelf mm-hmm. that nobody ever touched. Yeah. And like only one smell. There yeah. was not a variety. And we didn't know the difference between like tequila scented hand sanitizer oh, versus God, like the worst. They're gross. Absolutely. I I love tequila, but tequila, tequila <laughs> smell like sanitizer is the 
worst. Yeah, I like I don't like the ones that feel sticky. I feel like I would rather have the oh, tequila yeah. smelling one that like evaporates very quickly versus the one that lingers on your fingers because it's moisturizing and like whatever it does, but it just sticks and it's yeah. awful. <laughs> oh gosh. These are the things we learn in pandemic yep. times. Mm-hmm. So what is your I guess your current position now and what is your, I don't know, that's a double-edged question. I was going to, I'm trying to figure out like what is your goal, your dream job if you could pick one without having to worry about like school or money or anything. Have you seen that? Um, I don't know if it's a, I don't know what cool kids call it now. It's To me it's a meme, but it's a video. So are, are memes videos too, like. I feel like they can't, like a vine, I feel like. Yeah, I guess yeah. maybe it jiff, I don't know. Yeah. And when the, the, somebody asked this question, like, what's your dream job? And her response is like, I don't dream about working. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I feel like that's my answer. But When um, I see that, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, so my current position, I'm working as a project marketing manager mm-hmm. and um, for a marketing agency. And it kind of brings all my skills together. It's uh, being creative. It's being operational, smart. It's bringing logistics. It's bringing all of that stuff. Um, and like long term, I think my long term, I don't think I've had a um, very clear path of long term goals. But it's not like there's no goals. It's more like every time I acquire a skill or every time I try out something new and learn what I'm good at and what I'm not good at or what I liked about this project or what I didn't like or what I need to work on, it just helps redefine the, like, trajectory of where I want to be next. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, like, if you look at it, like, I'm very, like, math-oriented to or geometry, uh, you know, anything like this. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at it like a, you know, obtuse triangle, it's very wide. But every time I do these projects or figure out a skill that I nat- didn't realize I'm naturally really good at when I'm picking up this, you know, this certain type of campaign or whatever, it, like, makes the triangle come in, like, more focused. And so I'm realizing as of lately, like the past month, I really like operations, mm-hmm. um, specifically in marketing. Um, I like defining processes. I like defining um, the best way to bring out the best of each individual employee and not saying like, this is the way we do it, A, B, and C, do it or die. It's more like, here's what we have to accomplish. Um, What is a unique skill set that each person can bring? So if you are really good at video editing, then like that's where I'm going to bring you in because you're good at it and you enjoy it. I'm not going to say, you know, we need to do the, uh, the, I don't even know, the copywriting of something because that's what we need, but you suck at it. Well, then if you suck at it, you're probably not going to enjoy it. And you're, mm-hmm. so you're not going to be happy and you're also probably not going to be good at it. So then I'm not going to be happy with your quality of work. So it's bringing in the right people for the right things and then not having any kind of like power struggle through a team, like having it, like everybody be efficient because that's where we see the most like well-oiled machine and then you can scale all your projects all your campaigns you can go to different vertical industries and and it's just to me it's exciting to be able to the company I work out right now is is is, I don't know if I would consider it a startup because they've been around for a few years but they are working like a startup because their processes are changing Mm -hmm. and to be part of uh part of the phase where they're defining what they need to do and you know define the 
products that they sell and how they sell it and how it gets projects get passed over to the team and who does what and when it just like it 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 it's it's weird but it like gives me so much adrenaline and so much excitement to be like let me help you guys organize and tell me all your thoughts i'm gonna write them down and reorganize it for a way i'm gonna put it into a spreadsheet i'm gonna put it into an sog a standard operational guide or um go on to canva and build a like an image, a roadmap, so you can visually see it, so everybody has an idea of, like, here's where you come in, and then, then, then um, but you can also see the big picture to see, like, how you make a difference in this process, so, mm-hmm. anyway, so, um, I'm not, like, an operational director or anything like that, but, like, I can see myself going in that direction just based off of this project that I've been handed that I didn't, like, necessarily come into this company saying, oh, I want to take this project. It kind of just happened. And I'm realizing, oh, I really like this stuff and I'm really good at it. And I'm getting a lot of like hyper focus out of it, which is like kind of hard for my ADHD brain to do sometimes. Mm -hmm. So being able to do that and then waking up with excitement is like not something I have really seen myself do before. It's like, let's do this. Let's, let's go. I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, I enjoy my work, but at the end of the day, I'm just trying to get a paycheck. But like, mm-hmm. these projects I've been doing lately, I'm like all about it. And so it's, it's been exciting. It's yeah. been exciting to be a part of it. And I think it takes a special person too, to be able to see kind of the potential in other people and then like push them in a way, not like saying, oh, you should do copywriting because we need somebody to do that. But like seeing, no, you'd be better at this. So let me let you take charge of that because you'll thrive there. And like, that's your... But like almost, I don't know, I feel like I like to do writing, but if somebody gave me a writing project, I'd be like, oh God, I'm going to be really awful at this. But having somebody believe in me and say, no, like I've seen your work, you're really good at it, I feel like is a special skill in itself to kind of encourage other people. And then also touching, like, I don't know, being able to teach and like educate all the different kinds of people for like people who need visuals and people who need I don't know, walk through PowerPoints and people who need like direct SOG, like specific guidelines of what they're supposed to do. I feel like being able to tackle all those different realms in your organizing to help support, I guess, in the behind the scenes is a really special skill too, that I think a lot of people are more more likely to kind of bulldoze over and like, no, my idea is right and this is what we're going to do and this is how it works and this is what you should do because this is what's always worked and this is what's worked in the past. Like, you know, I feel like that's that's real a really unique kind of perspective and position that you bring to the team too. Oh, thanks. I'm cool. enjoying it so far. And I feel like the other part that I enjoy that I did learn from Disney mm-hmm. is um, ways to do like team building. I think Disney does a really mm-hmm. good job of finding uh, or at least the teams I was a part of. I wouldn't say Disney. I, don't, I can't speak for the whole company, but mm-hmm. the teams that I was part of throughout those eight years um, were finding ways to um, do team building. And uh, I remember uh, one of the great leaders that we had, Juliana, would had great uh, ideas and examples of what she's done in her past and things that we did. And simple, uh, you know, like the, you know, when we did the bingo of um, everybody's. Uh, baby pictures and you had to guess who was who or we did the Oscar ballads and Mm -hmm. we brought puppies in one day from a local shelter and everybody can walk away from their um, desk and like have like a therapy session of just (laughs) snuggling a puppy and like all of that and um, the the struggle I see with post-pandemic because um, 
both jobs that I've had since being since leaving Disney have been remote and mm. so remote is great because you don't have to drive anywhere you don't even have to get ready I mean maybe from the waist up but <laughs> what what a part that people that teams could be missing in remote jobs is the um the like team morale building or mm-hmm. the team building or the getting to know each other beyond just a meeting and so I'm able to bring a lot of that creativeness that I learned throughout Disney um, and a lot from Juliana about how to do some team building, get creative. You don't necessarily always have to spend a ton of money to just get people to have fun and get them. It's important to have time when you get to know people beyond their work role. Because mm-hmm. saying like, oh, leave your personal life at the door is just not a thing. Juliana no. used to say that all the time. Like, you have to treat these people as a whole person, not mm-hmm. like you only care about them. That's just what they can do for you between the hours of nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so getting creative and finding ways to do that for a remote is fun for me. I like, I like working on the processes for new employees, for onboarding, what that experience is like. And Disney does, does it better than anybody else. The onboarding way that Disney does in training is like top tier. Nobody can touch that. And mm-hmm. so trying to like implement things that I've learned from Disney there and the team building aspects I would say are some great things that I did get, I did take away from Disney and trying to implement it more. Yeah. So it wasn't all bad at Disney, you know, there's some good things. And so like, I guess it's like internal communication, internal processes, onboarding or operations is kind of like my my jam right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool because it's really, I think, important to that people, I don't know, you have to like where you work. I mean, you don't have to love everybody you work with, but you can't like tolerate it and then go home because that's not going to get anybody's creative juices flowing and then nobody's yeah. going to like being there. And then it brings this awful energy into the workplace of like, everything sucks. No one wants to be here. We're not going to yeah. succeed. Especially, I think, in, in a company that's like maybe not a startup, but like, still developing and still kind of adapting and growing if you have people who are just shutting down all the new ideas then and not able to feel comfortable I guess exploring different avenues then that's not gonna be fun to work for either but also in a big company if everybody's really stuck in their ways and there's not like a different way to do anything then that's also really sucky so I feel like there's a happy medium somewhere and you have to be like surrounded by the right people and also have the right mindset going into it that like things are going to change and that's good and change is good and like pivoting. I feel like that's something that I've learned from this pandemic is like that. I don't know if you had to adapt a lot in a lot of different ways. And then when everybody, I hate when people are like, Oh, the new normal, because like, no, we're just, it's just an adaptation and we're just shifting and it doesn't nothing. You don't need to put a, a label on it necessarily. We're just continuing to grow and shift and change and yeah 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 there's a lot of people who i can see that are just uncomfortable with anything that's new especially if they're used to um just their lifestyle is kind of just like one way and like they have either that's because it's they're comfortable like we talked about earlier or they have some insecurities and so if somebody brings change up it could trigger some you know some personal insecurities that they have that have nothing to do with us or the company or the job really it's just they're they have some inner work of when change came about, it was a bad thing. So their nervous system, their brain is telling them like alarm, 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 like mm-hmm. this is bad. And so then they're, you know, you can see their face getting red, you can see their blood pressure going up and you're like, Hey, like I'm not your therapist to start working on. You got to be responsible about that. Like we also need to keep 
this project moving forward. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I can understand too, like, I don't know, somebody's put like their whole life's work, well, maybe that's dramatic, but like a couple years work even into something. And then somebody else comes in from kind of out of nowhere and is trying to change everything. Like I can totally understand getting defensive there because like, they're like, well, it was kind of working, but it maybe wasn't working for everybody. Or like, oh, there's a reason that this is happening the way that it is. But like, and it can be scary to have somebody else try and take charge over what was your original idea that was kind of working. But I don't know. I think that's kind of how we grow is I think we grow best when we're uncomfortable, but it also sucks to be really uncomfortable. So it's really hard to grow. It's like, I don't know. That's why we, that's why we go to therapy, right? To talk, talk through discomfort and try and grow. Yeah, it's like the the rainbow. What is it? What is the saying? Like, there's no, there are no flowers without rain. I think, right? Something like oh, that. Oh, that's pretty. Something. I don't know if that's it. That sounds pretty. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I used to always say there's like um, I'd say like I sprout or I'm thrown instead of I grow or I'm planted because I feel like a lot of the time we don't necessarily have a choice in. I mean, I guess there's always a choice, but you don't always have a choice in like how things are going to work out. You can kind of just control how you respond to things. So, I mean, you can't necessarily, like I planted myself at my Disney internship and then, oh, that didn't work. So like now what? And just kind of like figuring out next steps and where, where the universe throws me next and then just making it work from there and then Mm -hmm. seeing different paths, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You've kind of become a nomad, huh? (laughs) Yeah. I think we all have actually, not just you. I mean, more, I I say you because like you've literally been in more than one city. I have not moved, (laughs) but I've moved jobs, but not like, you've been all over the place. Yeah. I just, I, I was thinking the other day, this is my, like, I, this is my, going to be my second summer in Portland and I have not lived somewhere for this long of a period since I lived at home in Cal, like in Napa. I was thinking, because, like, I moved to Long Beach, but then I left after a year and went to Florida, and then I moved to Davis, and then I moved back to Long Beach, and then I moved to Anaheim, but it was never, like, one steady spot. It was always, like, every six months, a new apartment. Dang. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I lived in Portland, my first apartment, for a year, but then after that year, I moved up to Vancouver for, like, two months, and then moved back to Portland for, like, a month, and then just moved into this apartment, and it's not... It's just because, I don't know, I'm not a big commitment person, and uh, I keep thinking, like, oh, this is a better opportunity. Oh, this is a better situation. (laughs) It's just, you know, it's an expensive task to jump around all the time. Have you gotten really good at moving? I am the most minimalist, I think. Everything was kind of still in boxes just because... I was storing things in boxes, like in my closet, because I lived in a studio apartment, so it was like kind of small anyways. So it was just all very condensed. So then when I had to move everything, it was like, well, I already, I've done this before. Like I know exactly where where the bowls go and where the plates go and how to stack my appliances. And like my bed comes apart without tools. And it was a pretty like, I know where to get the mattress bag. And I luckily have always had help moving so I've not had to like struggle to move my mattress by myself, but usually I can just pack things and then have someone carry it out to the car or the truck yeah. or whatever it is. So I've been very lucky there, but nice. yeah, I was like, I don't know. I just have a hard time feeling settled, I think. Yeah. So I'm very, and I was thinking too, cause I'm a big family person, but I don't think I have the same family dynamic that you do at all. But I think that sounds really fun to live super close to your family and kind of be able to pop over or like get dinner or go grocery shopping together or that's cool. Cause Nick's family lives nearby too, right? 
they're like in they're like thirty minutes away, so it's not it's not too bad. Yeah. It's not it's not too far. Yeah, that seems really I don't know, it seems fun. And maybe I romanticize it because I live like eleven hours from my closest yeah. family member, but I just think it'd be yeah. cool. I think it's I think both have their pros and cons. I mm-hmm. mean there's no like perfect way and then you know you see things on social media and it's like wow they have the perfect life but they don't mm-hmm. <laughs> there's pros and cons you know living living so close to family it does have those perks that you just mentioned but no there's definitely some cons too <laughs> yeah they can drive if you're ignoring your their texts they can drive by your house and see that oh, you're yeah. home and you're just ignoring them <laughs> and i'm not gonna confirm or deny if that's happened <laughs> to me before <laughs> that's fair we'll take it And do you come from, you said you came from a big family. Do you have lots of siblings too? Um, So I'm the only one of my two parents, but they have one each from their their first marriage. So there's three of us all together, Mm -hmm. um, but they're like technically my half brother and half sister. But I don't think we really look at it that way. Like we we weren't Mm -hmm. raised, at least from my perspective, I don't know about them, but I wasn't like, oh, we're only half siblings so I'm only half close to you um, (laughs) because of the you know the court system and how they rule of um, children who from divorced families uh, kids go to their mom's house you know for two weeks and then they're at dad's every other week so because of that um, I was I saw my I was very close with my brother because he went to he has the same mom as me so he was in our house Mm -hmm. uh, for two weeks at a time and then he would go to his dad's every every other weekend mm-hmm. um so there was you know I, that was hardly ever and then my sister was just the opposite she was mostly with her mom and then we had the same dad so then she would come to our house every other weekend so I saw her less so I think just naturally because of that we weren't as close but then becoming um throughout my later teens and definitely adulthood we become very close even though she lives like on the other side of the world right now because she's in the military mm-hmm. um we're still like you know close close through text messages, phone calls, social media and everything. So I'm really close with both of them. They're both very different. Actually, all three of us are very different, but um, I think we get along pretty well. Yeah, that's cool. And are they doing, your sister's in the military. What does your brother do? Uh, He works for Rove, a marijuana company. (laughs) Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, so it's very different. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I always thought about, and this was like, I don't know. I always, I'm not going to grow marijuana, but I feel, or, or do that. But I feel like, I don't know, making things like that or growing things like that, or, or like, I don't know, making kombucha, I always thought would be fun. It's like, it's not related, but also it's like a, I don't know. It reminded me of how kombucha would be fun or marijuana. I don't know. It's interesting. I think how, I think you could, I think you should have a cannabis farm. I can see you. Yeah. <laughs> On my little back balcony. <laughs> my neighbors would love that. Yes, and have your little trailer right there. Yeah. The ones that are still growing. Heck yeah. <laughs> Just like hanging off a built-on platform. I'll park it on the street. It'll be fine. Yes, okay. I mean, it's super legal in Oregon, right? Yeah. Like oh. started everything. Probably. I hope so. I'll talk to, I don't know who the governor is, but maybe she could. <laughs> they could, yeah. Wow. That'd be fun. Because I was thinking, so I just recently have gotten into beers and I was, I grew up in Napa, so they were really big on wine there. And I never understood the difference between, like, I mean, I can tell a red and a white, but when you get into logistics, I had no idea. And so then anybody, they'd ask me where I was from, and I said, oh, I'm from Napa. And they're like, oh, you must really like wine. And I was like, yes, a nice Merlot. Like, I don't know, no. But I'm learning now with beers, they actually, and maybe if I gave wines a chance, instead of just drinking the cheapest bottle from Target, then I would be able to tell the difference. <laughs> 
But so far I'm like, oh, with beers, like, yeah, there's sours and there's IPA. Like there is a difference. And then the different flavor profiles. And it's just so interesting. And I'm sure that like marijuana is the same with oh, yeah. like the flavors and the, I don't know. Different strains, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that there's a... I don't, there's a technique and a strategy there and it's so cool and interesting to me that people are like connect to a certain I guess you can connect to more than one but there's like somebody's really educated on like the different types of marijuana and like what the, the different levels and THC and what's CBD and all those different things I don't know it's just interesting how yeah it's definitely like more science to it now than like I don't know what's that phrase like it's not your it's not your dad's marijuana from the 70s or whatever. Yeah. It's just like whatever grown and you got it from somebody on the street and it was shady and it was so looked down upon. Now there's like so, tons of science behind it, the way it's grown, that's what it's grown for, the results. Like, are you going to have like a head high and be really goofy? Or are you going to have a body high and be relaxed? Or is it for focus? Is it for, uh, is it for, to help with appetite? Especially if you're like a cancer patient and you're trying to help with your nausea or yeah. is there healing elements to it? Is it just with anxiety? You know, it's not, it's not as simple of like, I'm just trying to get stoned broth. Like sure, yeah. there is still that. Like that is still obviously available. Yeah. And you could just, you know, recreationally use it for social instances or, or not social, just for recreational purposes. But there's so much more behind it now too for different purposes and, and the way you're able to um, like produce that and, and, and not it. I, I think I, I think society's move, coming along to see that it's more acceptable, especially seeing that like it's not just like, stereotypical these people on the streets doing it like these like high-strung ceos are doing it because it helps them relax like it's mm-hmm. not it's not a, it's not the devil's lettuce <laughs> no <laughs> no but it's and there definitely is like a, an art it's like a science and an art it's really i don't know it's cool that i think people's passions are really interesting especially as they're kind of figuring out their passions and as somebody who I feel like my passion or like what I like to do feels like it's really fuzzy so it's really interesting to be like wow that's somebody's passion is to have like they really enjoy that not saying at all I'm not trying to like profile your brother and be like oh yeah that's his passion he really just loves but like it's interesting that that's what he's doing and I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a leap of faith and assume that he likes it because he's doing it so yeah he loves it yeah Yeah, he was it's definitely something that is um, made for him. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, he's enjoying it. And, like, I think, um, I think, like I was saying, I think the society is moving in a good direction, but I think just with any kind of um, substance at all, like, there's still, it, it's not like, oh, anybody can take it. You know, 10-year-olds, you're stressed, go ahead and take a puff. Like, yeah. that's not, like, we're not going <laughs> to go from one extreme to the other. Mm-hmm. Just like any substance, if you don't feel good about taking something because it, you know maybe you're type of person of like I freak out when I am not in control or when I can feel a relaxed sensation you know maybe with alcohol or whatever or if you have struggle with any kind of substance use disorders um, then it's not like oh this drug is okay because it's not addictive although that's true maybe it's not addictive but doesn't necessarily mean like it's just a green light for everybody to take anytime all the time you know mm-hmm. it's more of like let's try and find a middle ground of like like people don't need to be going to jail for this shit this is so dumb yeah um, also um let's just make it like uh, 
for the economy. It helps so much to be able to make it legal. Yeah. But we don't need to be, like, shoving it down everybody's throat. It's like, you must be cool like us Californians and get high every day, you know? Like, yeah. It's just like, let's just leave it on the table as an option and not shun people to do it or not to do it. You know, that's kind of, like, where my point of view at least is. That's 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 my point of view that you didn't ask for. No, but I like to hear it anyway, so thank you. I feel like, <laughs> I feel that way a lot about, like, I don't know, and we don't have to get too into it, but I feel like the like the LGBTQIA plus community, I feel like people have a similar argument with like, well, it's confusing for me to say they instead of he, she. Like, and I'm like, okay, it's probably confusing for them trying to navigate this world too. So like if it's yeah. not affecting you, then just let them do whatever they want to do because like you can just, I mean, nobody's at, nobody's forcing you to do it. Like nobody's forcing yeah. you to go take a drink or smoke some weed or go by yeah. day. Like it's up to whatever the person wants to do. And I feel like the world would be such a better place if people were more just like, yeah, do whatever you want. If it's not affecting me. And if it is affecting me, we can have a civil conversation about it, about why it's affecting me. But also things like that are not affecting most people at all. Yeah. Okay. So I know you were really into... Halloween movies at Halloween time last year. Yes. Do you think that scary movies are your favorite kind of movie? No, not at all. Not even close. Really? Okay. What's your favorite? Okay, so Lauren did a um, last year like a 31 scary movies in October, right? For like 31 for Halloween month. Mm -hmm. But and I remember you ranked them, and it was my favorite thing to look for on Instagram because I did not watch any movies. But it was fun to just see your reviews and why or why you did not like them. And then uh -huh. yours and Nick's were contrasting sometimes, which I also yeah. thought was really funny. Yeah, so he would get – I get scared about movies that are like um, like the Michael Myers, like a male about to you know stalk you, and no matter how – fast you run he's walking but he's still right behind you and he's gonna murder you mm -hmm. you know just like the typical scare of women in america yeah <laughs> scared of men. um and nick is not afraid of that because you know he's a very fit he's he's a fighter he's you know has a background in boxing so if a man wants to come up behind him he's like he can fuck him up he's not afraid <laughs> he's like this is this is dumb um <laughs> But he is afraid of, like, what scares him, the movies are, like, the paranormal ones. So, like, the, oh. anything of, like, the, um, what was the last one we watched? The, like, the, all the Exorcist ones. Oh. Like, those freaking out. And those scare me, too. I just don't think they linger in my mind where I'm not going to sleep as much as the other ones do. Because the mm -hmm. other ones still like, that's going to happen to me. Um, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I'm not a horror movie enthusiast. I would say <laughs> Halloween is my favorite holiday. Mm -hmm. uh, like in like fall in general but I has never been a horror movie like oh my god I can't wait to watch this like, I got to be like I either pressured into watching it because you know Nick wants to watch it and so does everybody else I'm like okay fine we're gonna go watch it or I'm like you know I feel like watching something scary but it's not like my thing I think what ha happened in that was that um so my grandpa passed away from COVID during 2020. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was actually the Halloween, the ranking that you're talking about was um, Halloween of 2020. So oh, wow. uh, he passed away in August of 2020. And so that Halloween was like the first, um, 
like the first holiday I guess without him right mm-hmm. before you know Christmas and New Year's which is really hard mm-hmm. and we as a family um, have like a ton of traditions around every holiday it's it's like really great it's one of the great things about having a really tight-knit big family mm-hmm. um, and it was just hard for all of us to like keep up those traditions and so some of them that were really important we kept them up like Christmas time we still made his tamales we still did his recipe mm-hmm. um, and there's other things that we just like had to skip or maybe just downsize or you know just kind of go without each person's feeling mm-hmm. and not that we have a lot of traditions around Halloween it's just that I wasn't even looking forward to the day Halloween mm-hmm. or the next day day of the dead which are you know my other favorite holiday which you know not the same holiday they're just like right next to each other mm-hmm. um I wasn't even looking forward to it and so um my therapist I was talking to during my you know very early grief was talking about like do something like make a new tradition or do something different so that you still can be involved in the season but not having like an expectation because if you're going to do something that you and your papa my grandpa I called him papa mm-hmm. used to do then you might be too early in your grief that your wound is too too new that you're going to like fall short of your expectations. It's not mm-hmm. going to be the same or you're going to be missing him. So mm-hmm. kind of just find like a compromise in the middle so you can still enjoy the season. And I had thought of, you know what? I always wanted to do 31 horror movies and 31 days. I just like never, I've always chickened out. Like, Oh, I've always used an excuse. So like, Oh, I'm working away this weekend. Can't do it. Like don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a pandemic and I'm not working. <laughs> like I'm waiting for <laughs> Disney to call me back, and I was like, you know what, let's just do it, so, yeah, so we rate them based on, um, I think we had three, three t- uh, categories, we wrote, like, shoot, what were they, like, like a scare factor, mm-hmm. um, overall, I think, and then how long it scared us, so, like, some movies were, like, jumpy, so, like, they scared the shit out of us while we're watching it, but then when the movie was over, we were able to sleep fine. You know, mm-hmm. so like it didn't have like that ghost. I think that's the that we used ghost emojis like on a scale of one to ten. Yeah, um, and then and then and then other ones like there was one that had um what's his name? What's the guy's name who plays Olaf the voice of Olaf? Oh, Zach. Hmm? Z- Seth. Seth. I thought it, I think it's Josh. Josh. Oh, Josh Gro- Rogan. It's not Grogan. Rogan. Josh. Well, this is embarrassing. Josh something. <laughs> but you're right. You, Two ex Disney employees don't know Olaf's name. I know. I'm thinking he also was a new girl, and he was like the singing squirrel. But I can't. I, I can picture his face, but I cannot remember yeah. his name. Anyway, he was in a, um, a zombie, a, like a funny zombie movie. Now I can't remember the name of it, but it was really funny and not scary at all. But it was such a good movie, so we ranked it high for like good movie because it was funny mm. and it was like it kept your attention. And like I would watch that. I would watch that one again when like October comes around. No. Uh, but it's not like it didn't scare us at all. So, so anyways, um, so yeah, it didn't have yeah. like high ghost emojis, but it had like high. I think pumpkin was the other one. I don't How remember cute. What the third. But I don't remember what the third emoji. Oh. I think the other one was um, the poop emoji. Like, did it, how much did it scare the shit out of us while we were watching it? I think that was it. I think that was it. Wow. But anyway, so when it's not Halloween time, my favorite movies are normally, like, mysteries. So, like, Sherlock Holmes kind of feel, oh. like, uh, murder mystery or, like, comedy maybe. Like, not so much action. Nick Nick and his grandma love action. Like, if it doesn't have action, then they're over it. Like, <laughs> They like action and comedy, but yeah, I kind of like mystery kind of, doesn't have to be murder mystery, like I'm not like a true crime expert, but like I like trying to figure it out. Yeah, 
do you, I'm not like, I want to watch more movies. And as somebody who wants to go into like the film industry, that's so funny that I don't know Olaf's name and I don't know any movies, but I'm wondering, do you read like books too? Are you a big book person? Um, I do read. I don't read like a book a week. Like okay. I'm not like, you know, devouring info that quickly, even though I yeah. wish I was that type of person and I want to turn into that type of person, but yeah. I do have because yeah. I just read a book and it was like a, like a mur, it wasn't, I don't know, it was a mystery, I guess, because it didn't necessarily involve murder, but I kept calling it a murder mystery while I was reading it, but also it's definitely not a murder mystery. I think it's just a mystery, <laughs> but it was, it's called The Couple Next Door. I don't remember who oh. it's by, but it was a really quick read and it was from third person perspective which I usually don't like because I like to put myself in the shoes of the character that's telling the story. So this was kind of like a brain switch for me, but it felt almost like like starting shopping at the other end of the grocery store. Like I just had to learn how to do it and then figure out and then go from there. So I highly recommend it if you like those kinds of books. Um, But it was really good and really interesting. And I also love Clue, the board game, but I cannot do scary movies for the life of me because I get scared really easily like I think the scariest I would do is we watched the movie Christine which is about like a haunted car and uh, she kills everybody who tries to get in with her owner because she's obsessed with the owner but also she's a car and that was like terrifying for me but also it sounds so ridiculous but I was like yeah but I was like is my car gonna kill me and then we named my blue Volvo station wagon Christine because she looked just like that car and was 100% haunted so oh my god I love that so so much <laughs> it was scary well because like she would turn on the radio and the car wasn't even on and it would be like some song like a Lady Gaga song and I was like oh my god Christine what are you trying to tell me like this is terrifying <laughs> and then would like lock the doors sometimes or like unlock them other times and it was just weird things that probably was just something with the electrical system but oh my gosh yeah. it was very I scary. my car would play Lady Gaga to me oh my gosh yeah. you got all my car does is ask for more Yes. <laughs> which is so sad now oh, is it bad down spot. here I think it was like so we I don't know it was like 475 up here which I guess is normal California prices but what is the most expensive gas that you've seen uh $7 oh my gosh yeah that's I don't I, luckily I work from home so I don't need to go anywhere <laughs> wow that's so much yeah I was yeah thinking, it's yeah, it's outrageous. Yeah, and I guess, like, I don't know. I feel really dumb that I'm not super involved, like, knowing what's going on in the news, but I uh, I don't, like, I think I understand why the gas prices are so high, but also I feel like I don't 100% understand why they're so high, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anything. I'm very privileged to be ignorant to that. Yes, yes, and then, yeah. But I was thinking of getting a bike because, one, that just sounds really fun. And I, but I also think I romanticized the idea of a bike. I thought about a scooter. And then I thought about oh. getting Heelys because that would be fun. But Like an electric scooter or like a regular, like, racer scooter? I was looking at, like, adult scooters that were not electric. So I found one that I think is from, like, a French company maybe. And they – it's, like, $120, but it looks like an adult-sized scooter – and it looks pretty heavy duty and it was talking about like the cushion so you can ride it long distances and it's comfortable still. And I was like, that's something I never thought I needed in a scooter, but I'm here for it now that I know that it's an option. So So what makes an adult scooter besides the cushion? Is it like taller? I think it's just taller. I 
that's what I, I mean, I'm, I don't not, I don't know. I didn't buy it yet because that was me last night saying, oh, I should buy the scooter. Oh, Signe, you should do more research. So I have not bought it yet, but I think it's taller. I think there's like another brake option maybe. So maybe there's a handlebar brake and the brake at the bottom or just the handlebar brake. Um, and then I think it's wider maybe where your foot goes. Maybe. So it's much safer. It probably has airbags too, honestly. Pro honestly, yeah. I think it came with insurance. Like, <laughs> I, it was a really fancy scooter. It was $120. Wow. And I was having flashbacks to the first scooter that I ever bought because I bought it with my own money and it was a Barbie scooter and I bought it at Target. And I remember it was $60 and I had, oh no, it was $50. And I, no, it was 60. How much was it? And I had like 59. And I thought that because I had like up through the five, to the six, like just counting money, I thought that I had enough and I did not have enough. So my mom had to look, like give me $5 to buy the scooter because I was like $5 short because oh. I was learning math. But I had a Barbie scooter and I remember not wearing shoes while scootering and I burned the like the pad of my foot because I pushed <gasps> on the brake. Have you ever done that? Oh, no. When it's like hot? Cause it's your tire is spinning underneath the brake and then when you push the brake pedal down, it's hot. Oh, Who would have thought? I don't think so. I've done that before. I uh -huh. had a, um, well, actually, I still do have a, a red scooter, like the, I think it's Razors. I think it's Yeah, like, yeah, that's like, it. I'm totally. to look for it right now at my house, but I had <laughs> it from, um, actually, no, I was going to say, I think I had it throughout college to, like, get to class sooner, but I think that's actually a lie I'm telling myself to make me feel better. I think I got it after college. <laughs> Which, like, I just wanted a scooter. Yeah, that's completely valid. Here I am after college also, like, looking at adult scooters. So, like, maybe maybe it's a post-college thing. People just so. buy scooters. I think I'm trying to, like, take memories out of my brain and be, like, and then insert a scooter into my... But I'm like, actually, I don't think that ever actually happened. I think that was way after. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Or I thought, like, rollerblades. I was talking to one of my fourth graders the other day about rollerblades, and we were both saying that we rode the four-wheel... Not like those, the inlines, but the four wheel ones. And then neither of us really knew how to stop. Oh, yeah. You just gotta like lean forward on your toes. Yeah, but she was like, this 10 year old, she's so intelligent. They're the smartest people. She was like, but if you lean forward too far, you'll fall forward. So I never wanna break that way. And I was like, oh my gosh, exactly. That's exactly why I never learned how to break on my rollerblades. Yep, yep. Because that's how you do a somersault and break your tailbone, probably. <laughs> So we used to have in Whittier, we used to have this place called Skateland. It's mm -hmm. not there anymore. RIP Skateland. But like it was popping. Like maybe maybe more like in the I would assume in the eighties, but it was still <laughs> popping like in my junior high. We went there for like eight, after like sixth grade graduation or something like that. I don't know what it was. Fifth yeah. grade, I don't know what it was. And I remember like I don't have the coordination and still don't to skate on either one, like the roller blades, the street one, or the like skates with the four mm -hmm. orange. But, like, I was like, everybody else is doing it, so I have to do it. And, like, you know, that's just a that's a good insight of how my brain looks with peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is doing it. <laughs> I wonder if you tried it now. I mean, yeah, if you tried it now, I wonder if you would have the coordination. Because picturing... Um, I'm almost 30, and I don't think so. <laughs> but, no, so picture this. You're, like, in fifth grade, sixth grade, like, whatever age, but, like, still learning... Your limbs just shot up probably like 12 inches. I don't know. And you're now 
taller. Like middle school was a really awkward phase. Even high school was awkward for me. I feel like I didn't feel like yeah. myself until after college. So I yeah. feel like maybe now, and you could go on like not, don't go on a sidewalk. Cause I don't know who romanticized the idea of roller skating on sidewalks, but no sidewalk that I've ever walked on has been smooth enough to actually roller skate or skateboard or scooter. Like there's always weird cracks and divot and potholes and it's dangerous for children. And we should call our senators about sidewalks. But I I think maybe like the the beach in like Rosie's Dog Beach in Long Beach, I remember being very flat for, and there was like a path for skateboards and roller skates and bikes and also lots of dogs. So maybe you could buy a pair on the internet and then try them out and then return them but you could at least prove to yourself that you could do it if you wanted to maybe of course only do this if you want to but also we've talked a lot about peer pressuring to being your best self and maybe your best self is a roller skating queen i think i just like my scooter that's fair it is red 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 scooters red things with wheels go very fast yeah, and the wheels are like that ghost, like see through. So it's like I call it cherry red, which I don't know why, but that's just what I call it. Okay, that's fair. Okay, <laughs> cherry red. But yeah, but taking it to Long Beach is actually a good idea because isn't Long Beach voted like the number one like pedestrian, you know, pedestrian friendly city like in the country? I that feels right, but also yeah. I sometimes feel like people make up titles just so they can have them. So I'm not really <laughs> sure. But maybe. I would believe it. It is really like, because along the beach, I remember there being a path and it was like partitioned off. So there was a walking side and then a biking side. And then it was like along the beach, you didn't have to walk in the sand. It also was a smooth path. And it's right by 2nd Street and the sidewalks there are actually really nice. So, I mean, I would believe it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Second, did you ever go to that store? Yes. Because they always had discounted things and... I liked it there. Also, it was two seconds down from the Pete's that I worked at because it was right next to Legends. Oh, nice. Oh, my gosh. I think about Legends so much. Have you been there? You should go there. I haven't. I think the only store I've gone to is Beach on 2nd to to get, like, um, not alumni. What's it called? Like, school merch, I guess. Like, when they got accepted, we, that Christmas, we went and got um, Cal State Long Beach, like, mom and Cal State Long Beach dad and grandma and, like, all this, like, t-shirts for them for Christmas. That's so cute. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. There's also, if you're ever back down there, they have a store called Blue Windows, which has really cute pajamas. And there's also a creamistry where they make nitrogen-infused ice cream. Oh, dang. Which is like the one where it's like smoke everywhere and you get to pick your flavors and it's the fanciest thing. So maybe when he graduates, you can go get alumni stuff and also go to creamistry. Oh my god, amazing. And he only has one more semester, so it's almost here. Heck yes. Oh my gosh. Is is it that soon? Oh my gosh, congratulations to Nick. Yeah, yeah, he'll be done in December. Wow. So exciting. That's awesome. Heck yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I think I'll, we can wrap up our the podcast bit here. And then if you want to go, you can go. Or we can keep talking because I like talking. Okay. But okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, okay, so my hang on, I guess I'll pause. I'm learning editing. Okay, so the last question that I'm going to ask you today is kind of a double question. It's what is one trait that you look for in a friend? And then on the flip side, what is one trait that you absolutely would never befriend somebody if they had? Oh, 
give me a second to think about this one. Okay. No worries. I already have the answer to the first one, but I need to think about the second one. Okay. That's fair. Um, and it's not like an end-all be-all. If you answer one thing and then like in five months if I do that and we're still friends, then I'm not going to be like, but Lauren, you said. Like, no. Yeah. It's hard for me to think of something of like, if you have this, I can't be your friend at all because like, I don't, I also don't want to be that kind of person of like, if you think this way, if you live this way, if you vote this way, then we yeah. can't be friends. So I don't want that. But it's kind of like, maybe we can't be as close. I think, okay, I think my answer okay. actually answers both. So okay. the, the, the trait that I look for in friends, at least the people who I end up being the closest to, who I get drawn to, um, are people who can like take their... Um, like filters off and they're comfortable being vulnerable mm. and not acting like, you know, curated uh, stories or curated uh, how they want to be perceived because, you know, I think everybody is really good at smelling fakeness mm-hmm. and not that I'm judging you for being fake. You know, you if you, whatever situation you're in, that making, making you feel like you're fake, I just can't really connect to you on any kind of level when you're, you know, very surface or very not, not, not genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes for family too. <laughs> like I think the people who I'm the closest with in my family is because we can have difficult conversations and still come out the end loving and having respect for each other. Or we can have, um, uh, we can have conversations of like what we're dealing with in life and 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 and, be, and not have to filter it you know i'm dealing with this and it sucks or it's stressful and not feel like oh i can't be honest with them because they're gonna judge me or they're gonna tell me um you know other people have it worse or they're gonna make it about them or whatever you mm-hmm. know when people can say like yeah you know like i know i'm 30 but i feel like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing and i'm like yeah dog saying you know like <laughs> Like, those are the people, not the ones who are like, hmm, Bitcoin, and I have just bought a house, and, like, everything's great. I'm like, okay, I can't connect to you at mm-hmm. all. Like, yeah. You know, not trying to stereotype anybody, but, like, people who are just, um, people who are, I guess, like, what's the word? Like, toxic positivity, you know, it's like a trendy yeah, word. Yeah, like, no, like, the at least people. Like, the... Yeah. They're like, well, at least you, like, at least you, yeah. It's like almost trying to silver lining everything and you don't have to. Like, it's, it's okay to be, you know, I don't know, however you are. You don't have to always have a positive to every negative thing that's happening. Yeah. And I'm not trying to use like a toxic positivity because it's like a trendy phrase, but it's like, I think just being able to be yourself and whatever that is and not being like, you know, like for instance, when I was dealing with, well, still am, when I'm dealing with grief of, mm-hmm. you know, whether losing a job, um, losing a pregnancy, losing a person in the family, whatever, I can't connect with people who are like, um, look at the bright side of it, you know, like, mm-hmm. how about you just tell me like, wow, that sucks, I'm sorry, and that's all I needed, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, what, what can I do for you, whatever, or, uh, but like talking about extremes you don't want to I also don't want to say like oh I only connect with people who complain about their lives mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> not that either like obviously if life is going great for you and you're meaning it then I'm happy for you I want to celebrate with you I want to ask you how that worked out what did you do what kind of how discipline like what what did discipline look like for you so that I can you know find inspiration but mm-hmm. I think people are just really good at sniffing out bullshit and 
Um, and I, when people can just be honest with themselves and have, like, have that awareness and able to be, share that with me, then I think I connect really well with people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're one of them, you know, you're not a bullshitter at all. Like you tell me when things are great and you tell me when things are not. And I do the same. And I feel like, you know, we're not always on the same as because we're living two different lives. Sometimes you're on a high and I'm on a low. Sometimes I'm on a low and you're on a high. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still have each other's back no matter what. I can call you at 2 a.m. and be like, hey, everything sucks and I want to die. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not going to be like, uh, you know what? I will just send thoughts and prayers, you know? Yeah, but like, have you tried yoga? Maybe yeah, try meditation. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. So yeah. there's that. And then so on your second question of who I wouldn't be friends with, uh, again, it's not that I wouldn't. I'm not like shutting you at the door of like we cannot be friends it's more like I just can't connect with you if you're gonna stay surface and mm-hmm. you know like maybe they don't want to be my friend maybe they're saying you know I don't need to be like the center of everything maybe they're staying surface because they don't want to be my friend and that's okay we don't need to be friends uh I, there's sometimes where I reserve myself because I'm like I don't want to be your friend so I'm just gonna stay surface mm-hmm. yeah so I guess that's don't know how to put that into a word no but that was a beautiful summary of a feeling and I think that that means a lot more than a word sometimes anyways it's a feeling so yeah oh my gosh well thank you for sharing and coming on and chatting and I don't know being a fantastic friend that I already have so that's great and I'm glad that we get along and met in maybe had some um, unforeseen circumstances pop up throughout our friendship, but I'm glad that we are still friends throughout that. So that's been... Me too. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. I feel like we're just talking. Like Most of this I forgot you were even recording. I know. (laughs) Me too. It's been fun. And then I was like, Signe, should I have said that? No, it's fine. It's fine. Like, but it's good. (laughs) We're good. We'll edit it out. It's fine. We'll get edited. Yes, we'll figure... (laughs) If there's a weird glitch, that's what happened is it was me trying to... Cuts of Yes. What happened in between? No one will know. <laughs> it's a secret between the lines. Cool. Well, I will chat with you later. Okay. Sounds okay. good. Bye. Bye. <laughs>